that your presence, Lord, is here, and uh, that you're working among us, that hearts are being awakened, and uh, the light is shining, Lord, that works of the devil would be reversed and broken off of people, that truly deliverance would take place in the best way, that great joy would be in the house today. I thank you that uh, you're for each person, that you're speaking in their lives, and uh, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal Jesus in a fresh way for us today. And uh, so I just bless, I bless our time together in the mighty name of the Lord. If you agree with that, you said, amen. amen. Yay. All right. Um, I wanted to give a quick window just into uh, my life the last couple of weeks um, and the life of many of, uh, of those who sit among you today. Um, how many know that the Lord calls us to rejoice with those who rejoice and uh, to weep with those who weep. Um, one, of the, one of the tensions that we live with continually in the kingdom is that we have a morning like today where we're celebrating people's lives being transformed, and uh, it's held in tension also with, um, with people that are going through difficult times. Uh, and so you and I as kingdom minded lovers of Jesus, we get the privilege of walking next to people uh, who are weeping, and we get to join them in that, and, uh, and then also celebrate in the, the same breath. And so I, I, um, uh, there, there were a handful of folks that lost their lives this last week. Uh, COVID took my uncle, uh, and uh, also um, one of our uh, uh, prayer team members here um, passed this last week, and I, I don't want to be short in stories, but um, recognize also that uh, some of this isn't my story to tell. We, we also had a, a family suffer a pretty significant tragedy with um, their, their cabin um, exploded, and, uh, and grandma was in it um, and uh, lost her life as well. And um, uh, you know, the, the point, and there, there are others who are in the midst of battles right now. As a congregation, it's our job to come alongside and to lift people up and to strengthen them and to, to, to grieve, yes, but also in faith to hold the line with hope and expectation of good that God will, in the midst of hard things, also turn them for, uh, for his purposes, for good, that good would result and, uh, and that's the tension that you and I get to hold. And so I, I, it's a little bit of a mixed bag for me this morning because I'm feeling the joy of what we just witnessed. And there's so many amazing advancements taking place, guys. God is at work in our day. And uh, at the same time, uh, feeling the loss even in my own family. Um, so I, I just, you just have to give me a little grace this morning. Um, but I, I, the reason I bring this stuff up is... Um, is to invite you to something. When, uh, you know, you and I, we are, we're kingdom-minded and we are standing looking at the goodness of God and declaring that, that the Lord, that his kingdom, it rules. 
that the advancement of that kingdom is not failing in any regard, that light always wins, that we're overcomers in every regard, and that, that truly on earth as it is in heaven means that the works of the devil get destroyed and, and that light wins. And uh, in the, the journey of declaring and holding that line of, of, of the reality that heaven is invading earth, often there is a tension. And when you bump into a situation that doesn't go the way that you think it should, or you have hope that it was going to, the outcome would be different, and so your faith and prayers are partnering with that hope, and it doesn't go the way that you thought it would. In that moment, you have an opportunity. There are one of two things will take place. You will either rewrite your doctrine about who God is to somehow, you know, well, I must have been wrong. Maybe God's goodness isn't going to be seen in the land of the living in this situation. Maybe you, you will alter what you believe about God to fit your experience. Or you can do what I truly believe we're called to do, which is you can draw closer to him and get a fresh revelation. You can draw closer to him and realize that his goodness doesn't fail, that he's perfect in all his ways, and that his power does not fail, that the victory of Christ is sure. And so if we are holding that as an absolute truth, then we bump into a situation that, for whatever reason, doesn't go the way we think it should. Do I begin to rewrite my doctrine about God's goodness, or... Do I recognize that I have some growing to do? That I may not understand everything that's taking place in this situation, and that on earth as it is in heaven means that that partnership, that my role in this situation, without taking any condemnation on, without feeling guilty, without feeling shame, recognize that there is more for me to grow in so that I can demonstrate his will. In other words, we're called up higher. So do you dumb God down or do you recognize that maybe you have something to grow in? When disappointment hits your heart, what do you do with that? The invitation is don't try to rewrite doctrine. Instead, draw close to him and find out who he really is. Understand we have some things to grow in. Amen? Okay. There is um, there's some wonder in uh, the things I'm going to present to you today. Um, today is October 31st. Um, in the year 1517, October 31st, there was a young man who took... 95 uh, challenges and nailed them to a church door. And it started a reformation that changed the world. Changed the face of Christianity, challenged us. In 1904, same date, October 31st, 1904, there was another young man who stood in a little chapel in Wales 
and began to talk about the goodness of God and changed the world as the Welsh revival kicked off. I wonder if today that you and I couldn't draw near to God and have the Holy Spirit speak to us in a way that it might not change the world, but it certainly could change you. Are you alive for that opportunity? You up for it? We're going we're gonna to challenge some things today. We're going to go headlong at it. I'm not going to apologize for it. Some days I'm funny and then I cut you. Other days I just cut you. Today is one of those days. <laughs> you laughed. Okay, well, there we go. <laughs> I, I want to pray for grace, though. Grace for us. Grace just to share straight and uh, uh, get to it quick. So uh, would you just join me in prayer right now? Father, I thank you that you're with us. And uh, Lord, in, on this Reformation Day, we just proclaim a fresh ref- a reformation for each one of us. On this revival day, that there would be a fresh revival for each of us. You've called each one of us to be world changers, reformers, Lord, and those who carry the river of heaven, those who revive and uh, bring to life that which is dead. And so, Lord, I thank you for this calling. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd be with us today. You'd help us. Give us grace, Lord, as we tackle some tough subjects. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you've got a Bible, if you jump over to John chapter 16 and verse 12. John 16 and verse 12. Now, the last two weeks I've been talking about the presence of the Lord, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the way that the Holy Spirit manifests in your life and touches the life around you, all the world around you, how God in a single moment can manifest in you and bring true transformation to somebody who is in darkness and pain. How the Holy Spirit manifesting in you with his gifts, a miracle could happen. Tongues, interpretation, you're speaking of the goodness of God and life changes. How a moment of encountering the Spirit and his manifestation of faith could mean the impossible breaks forth before you. How God will give wisdom and knowledge and prophetic words. And it's amazing what the Holy Spirit will do in an individual. His power touching your life. Just wonderful. So amazing. That ministry, it's not for you though. It's for the people around you. Right? The Holy Spirit in you is a gift to the world around you if you'll let him minister through you. The Holy Spirit in you though what Holy Spirit does for you, how he transforms your life to be like Jesus, isn't just in that external, the way that you minister to people, isn't just in the, the, the release of powerful encounters with God. There is a leading of your life into truth. And this is John 16, the verse that we're about to read here today. And in my invitation to you today is to allow, to give room for the Holy Spirit to speak into your life in a way that breaks open some new ground. Uh, you're familiar with the term follow ground, hardened ground? You know, to break open some hardened ground, it either requires a deep saturating rain to, you know, soften up that soil, or we got to get a good, strong uh, plow. And it just goes ahead and forces its way through. Uh, I I am praying the Holy Spirit would saturate you. Amen. 
First, or excuse me, uh, John 16, verse 12. This is Jesus saying to his disciples, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Verse 13, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. He'll not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he'll speak and he'll disclose to you what is to come. He'll glorify me, for he'll take of what's mine and disclose it to you. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Man, this phrase, um, I feel this one. I have an 18-year-old, graduated high school this year, and uh, as he's making decisions and stepping forth in life, I feel the weight as a dad of, I have so many things that I want to say to you. And there's so many things I want to teach you. There's so many things, and it doesn't feel like there's enough time. And I certainly can't in this moment just heap it all on you, right? Uh, uh, we try as parents to give them as much as we can, but as they are moving forward in life and they have to take steps on their own and make decisions, how many know that, that there is a, uh, almost a desperation in the heart of a parent of, oh, if I could just impart to you Everything that I know, all that's in my possession to give to you, I want you to succeed. And so if I could just give this to you, then I know that you'll at least do as good as I did. You can stand on my shoulders and go farther. That sense of tension is what Jesus is feeling. He's about to go home to heaven. He's about to ascend. He's leaving the disciples behind, and he says to them, I have so many things that I want to talk to you about, but you cannot carry them right now. That phrase there, to bear them, it's a weight-bearing it is literally the picture of you don't have the infrastructure inside of you to carry the weight of what I want to give you, right? It's a little Toyota truck with a 2,000-pound boulder being loaded into its back. It doesn't have the ability to bear the weight, right? If you, you chuck a boulder in the back of a little Toyota truck, guess what's going to happen to that thing? It's going to be pinned to the ground, <laughs> It doesn't have the mechanism, the infrastructure on the inside. It is not strong enough. Those little leaf springs cannot hold the weight that's going to be thrust upon it. That's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. There's some stuff i got to share with you. But the infrastructure on the inside of you isn't in place for me to give it to you right now. That's why I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will lead you into those truths. That process of leadership is a process of taking you on a journey so that when the time comes to bear the weight of that revelation, you will be able to carry it. How many uh, folk in here, it doesn't, doesn't take very many years for you to have this revelation, but when you look back at your life and you go, you ask this question, you go, oh man, when, if I knew back then what I know now, I would have, you know, how many in here you would be, be at least a millionaire? <laughs> I mean, at least, right? <laughs> right, that lump on that head, you wouldn't have had that, right? You know. If you had known back then what you know now, here's the deal, though. Back then, you wouldn't have known what to do with that information. Didn't matter if you had it or not, because you weren't ready for it. You couldn't, 
you, you did not have the capacity to utilize it. The journey actually prepared you to understand what you understand now. Okay, this is how the Holy Spirit works in your life. He actually takes you on a journey and he prepares you. How he does that is by revealing, disclosing to you what Jesus is like, what's in Jesus' account, disclosing to you the future. The Holy Spirit does this. He speaks to you about what's available in terms of heavenly resources for you right now. And so you're on your journey, and the Holy Spirit speaks to you, and he reveals to you what's possible, and it begins to change your perspective about your current situation. He reveals truth, and it transforms how you approach life. He shows you truth, and it changes how you now will behave. It's an amazing... Uh, uh, you know, when, when, when we talk about people being transformed by Christ and changed, and I look at my own journey, um, I'd like to take some credit for it, as if my hard work got me to someplace. But I've come to realize something, that my hard work didn't change me. In fact, I wouldn't have worked hard if... I had not encountered truth first. It was the revelation that provided the motivation for me to make changes. It was coming into truth that showed me I need to act or change something in my life. It was quite literally the truth that set me free to now live a life that's different. The truth will change your mind about what you perceive in life. If you find yourself believing a lie and someone presents the truth, you have uh, a decision to make. Truth comes and you currently believe a lie. If you get confronted with truth, and you choose to hold on to your lie, you will find yourself fighting against truth. You'll find yourself defending your lie. People do this unintentionally. They're not trying to be liars, and they're not trying to hold on to lies. It's the funny thing about deception. It's deceiving. You don't know you're deceived. Right? This is, this is how it works. When truth comes, you have an opportunity. You have the opportunity to choose to change your mind about what you believe, or you can cling to the lie. If you choose to change your mind, it's called repentance. This is what repentance is. Repentance is not saying you're sorry. Repentance is changing what you believe about something. It's the Greek word metanoia. It literally means to change one's mind. The Holy Spirit's job, follow me here, is to lead you into truth that will cause you to change your mind about life. And as you change your mind about life, your life will change to become like Jesus. 
All Holy Spirit has to do is show you the truth. And in that moment, you will find yourself either defending your lie, and what I've found about this, at least in my life, I, I, I would like to say that I don't have to learn a lesson more than twice. But how many in here have gone around the mountain a time or two? Yeah, anybody? I, you know, normally this is what it looks like for me. I go around the mountain, I have a painful experience. Dang it, that hurt. Ouch. Okay? And then I'm like, man, I'll never do that again. Anybody? Those words coming right out of my mouth. I'll never do that again, right? And then I go back around the mountain, and I'm like, man, this feels familiar. Coming back around, and then I end up in the same situation that I was before. In different circumstances, of course, because if it was the exact same circumstances, you wouldn't fall for it. Right? But, but I'm like, oh, this feels familiar. And then I end up in that same place of pain, and I go, oh, man, I can't believe that this happened to me again. And I'm like, man, I'll never do that again. And there I go again, around the mountain. Different scenario, different people, different situation. But here I am again, you know, 10 years later or something, facing the same scenario. And this, my friends, this is the moment. This is how repentance happens. This is how the Holy Spirit leads you, by the way. He's not leading you into pain. He's trying to help you see differently. So there I am. I bump into the scenario again. And hopefully, at least by the third time, something is dawning on me. Like, oh, maybe... I'm not thinking correctly about all the circumstances. Maybe I'm approaching this diff like in a way that's leading me into this. If I don't catch it on the third time, I'm normally blaming somebody else. Dang it, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have ended up in this situation again, right? Except for it doesn't take too many years of experiencing the same things over and over and over until you have someone who is very wise in your life say, hey, there's something in common with all your pain. <laughs> you. <laughs> the Holy Spirit helps us. Now, I'm sharing with you the life-transforming process of of change, you know, going from darkness to light. But really, this is, that's a, such a low version of this. Because the Holy Spirit's trying to reveal things of heaven to you. You have a calling on your life, purpose. Like, there are significant things that God wants to do through your life. But the pace of transformation is determined by how readily you agree with truth. How willing you are to let the Holy Spirit go, hey, you're believing a lie. Or when you bump into the lie, do you defend yourself? Do you insulate yourself? Man, I'm not wrong. You're wrong. It can't be. No. I'm, I'm in truth. You must be in the lie. That's why God's positioned me here as a watchdog of the truth. I'm here to protect truth from people like you. And we end up with people vehemently defending what they believe is true, but it's clearly not. Why do I know that? Because their behavior matches their father, the liar. 
the devil. Anger and raging and destroying people. Why? In the defense of truth? I don't think so, friends. That's not how truth behaves. Lord, help us this morning. Look at 2 Corinthians 3.18. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Did you know that glory is heavy? It's weighty. Glory means kavod. It's the weightiness of God. When, when God's presence, him, who he is, the revelation of who he is, it's heavy. It's like a 2,000-pound boulder. God wants to help you to see how gloriously and wondrously you are made in his image. He wa- he's trying to convince you of just how stinking awesome you are in Christ Jesus. Because in Christ, there is something of a mystery. There is glory that's hidden within this earthen vessel. There is this hope within us, the hope of glory. And look at what 2 Corinthians 3.18 says. It says, we all with an unveiled face behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Are transformed into that same image from glory to glory just as the Lord, the Spirit. Listen. It's like this. We're looking into a mirror and we're trying to see clearly. We're trying. I, mean, I don't think anybody intentionally stays in deceit. Like, you're not trying to agree with lies. You're looking in a mirror, though, and you're trying to see clearly. And what are you seeing? You're seeing yourself in a mirror. But it's like you're looking in a mirror and you're seeing this faint hint of glory. What are you seeing? You are seeing who God made you to be. But it's hard to see when you believe the lies really difficult to see. But if you can see it, if you'll allow that truth to touch you, then you'll be transformed into the thing you see. When we transition from this lifetime into eternity, when you see him, 1 John says, that when you see him, instantly you'll be transformed into his likeness. It literally is, my friends, when you see the truth, Transformation takes place. The metamorphosis takes place. What's holding you back from becoming the person that God called you to be, it's not, it's not sin. Water's a baptism. Jesus took care of that. It's not the law. It's not that you have to live up to some sort of expectation. No, no. Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets. Nothing is standing in the way of you becoming the person that God called you to be. I'm bearing the image of God, of of standing in this place as a son or a daughter of God and seeing heaven touch your circumstances. That's your calling. What stands in the way is your eyesight. It's how well do you see the truth. And when you see the truth, do you deny it? Do you defend your lie? Or are you willing to humble yourself and repent, change one's mind? Because as soon as you change your mind, you'll be transformed into that likeness. I'm dropping bombs on you, but man, I I can't tell if you're, I can't tell if you're receiving it or you just, the hair's blowing back this morning. You will become who God made you to be at the speed that you're willing to humble yourself and admit you're wrong. but I'm not wrong. Well, then you must like the way you are. 95 Thesis, right? 
Luther, nailing that thing to the wall, he goes, hey, there's some things that we need to challenge about our current status, things we believe, how we're behaving. The challenge itself, boom, those who received it go on to form worldwide religions. Those who don't, right, stay where they're at. Revival, same thing, this is how it works. The presence of God shows up and he begins to breathe on people and they begin to come alive and they begin to see things differently. When you see things differently, you will manifest things differently. I'd like to propose to you today that you don't know everything. And if you do, well, hope you like the way that you are. Right? If nothing needs to be changed, then we've arrived. But there's a fullness that's available to us. The fullness of Christ is available to us. And the Holy Spirit's trying to get our attention. It's trying to help us. And so if we could come to recognize when the Holy Spirit is doing that, when he's putting the mirror up for us, right? Again, the obvious ones, when that happens and you understand it, you recognize it, well, that's not the hard one to catch, right? You had a quiet time, the Holy Spirit whispered something, you go, oh man, I never saw that before. That's wonderful. And God changes something. That's amazing. But what about the things that you're convinced are true, but are totally lies and are insulating you from becoming who God made you to be? Who gets to talk to you about that stuff? Who gets to tell you that, you know, your politics are demonic? Who gets to tell you and wake up to the reality that the form of religion that you're holding and the, 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 the rules and the regulation that you feel are God are actually preventing you from entering into the liberty of the Spirit? Who gets to tell us Right? That, that there's more to life than what we've come to know. Who gets permission to, to, to touch the hot button in your heart that if somebody brought it, man, if, I talk, if we had coffee and I brought that up to you, right? You'd be like livid with me, angry at me. Who gets to talk to us about truth? Who gets to say what sexuality is true? In this world right now, man, look at what takes place. We're in a cancel culture. Cancel culture means this. I nullify the validity of your voice. You don't have permission to speak again. We won't listen to you anymore. That's what the world's doing right now to those who confront with truth. The scripture talks about a day when the hardness of hearts would become so strong, the deceitfulness of sin so strong, that that. People won't even endure sound teaching anymore. We'll just get together for people who itch our ears. Man, I hope that's not this. I really hope it isn't. Otherwise, y'all are sadistic because we're not tickling up in here. We're <laughs> but the deceitfulness of sin would insulate our hearts from being willing to even in listen to sound doctrine anymore. Man, that's the world we live in right now, y'all. We need a reformation. We need a revival, truly. But how does it start? How does it start? Right? It starts with you. You. You have to bring your own heart into revelation. You have to bring your own heart into revival. I can't force it from the pulpit. I've tried. I've tried for years. Right? Open up. Here's the river. Like, it doesn't work that way. You've got to, you got to soften your heart. You've got to open up. You've got to, you've got to bring yourself into this place of revival. Right? I bring you to the water, but I cannot make you drink. 
You know, we're trying. But this is how the Lord does it as well. And this is what I'm trying to get you to recognize today. The Holy Spirit will bring you over and over and over to face truth. But if you choose to deny it, that is the hardening of your heart. That's what happens. He confronts us with truth, brings us to truth, brings us to truth. And we keep saying, no, I don't think that's true. I want, this is, this is, how, this is where we're going to hang out today, okay? You have two options. Either you humble yourself, and when truth is presented, when, uh, when, when a thought comes to you that is different than the one you currently believe, you have two options. You can humble yourself and lean into it, right? To hear more, to inspect it, to open yourself up for the possibility that there might be something you don't know. Or you can harden yourself insulate yourself from it and attack it because I need to disprove what disagrees with me. It's how people function. The Holy Spirit is inviting us to be quick to repent, to be quick to change our minds so that he can bring upgrade to your life because you don't have that much time. Life is a vapor. Life is a vapor. In a moment, everything can change. In a moment. You don't have time to take another 20 years to learn the lesson that you're currently in. You should just agree with God and change. So how do I recognize when the Holy Spirit's doing that? Romans 12.2 says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what God's will is. Soon as you change your mind, you will come to know what God is asking of you. If you don't know what God's wanting from you, if you don't know his will, the chances are the reason is because you are currently believing a lie. The lie insulates you from knowing God's will. Soon as you come into, you, you are willing to confront something you currently believe, you'll come to know what God's will is for you. Hebrews 3.13 says this, encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called today, so that none of you will harden, be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. This is a team sport. We're cheering each other on. Like, hey, when we come together, we're trying to encourage one another and strengthen one another. Why? Because it actually takes courage to face down the lies we believe takes courage to say yes to God and to step into some things that are different than what you've known. When the Holy Spirit does this to you, how do you recognize it? Here's two examples. Okay, this is Luke 13. Jesus is showing us two ways that you can come to see. It's like a window. It's a mirror. This is one of the ways you know that deception has been deceiving to you. Because if you're in deception, it's very difficult to see it yourself. You're going to take someone from the outside. However, these situations are ones you can self-diagnose. You can see it in yourself. You live? You ready? I'm moving as fast as I can, okay? Listen, listen quick. Listen quicker. Luke 13, okay? Luke 13, verse 1 through uh, 9. On the same occasion... There were some present who reported to Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. 
Jesus said to them, okay, so here's the deal. Pilate, Roman official, killed some Galileans, and the people that are around Jesus are coming to him with report. They're talking to him about it. Like, hey, did you hear this happened? Jesus said to him, do you suppose that those Galileans were greater sinners than all of the Galileans because they suffered this kind of fate? Do you suppose that they were greater sinners than the rest of the Galileans? Verse 3, I tell you, unless you repent, you'll likewise perish. Verse 4, do you suppose that the 18 on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed were worse culprits than all the men who live in Jerusalem? I tell you, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Okay, here's the deal. They are noticing, they're going, wait, this bad thing happened to them. I bet it's because they did fill in the blank. They did this wrong thing. Here's the consequences. You ever thought that? Like, oh man, that bad thing happened, but it's really clear to see why it took place. Right? Oh, they died of lung cancer. Did they smoke? Right? You, you cause and effect. We just think this way. This is what they're doing. Jesus says, hey, do you think it's because they're worse sinners? Then he tells them this parable. A man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it, but he did not find any. He said to the vineyard keeper, Behold, for three years I've come looking for fruit on this tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? The vineyard keeper said, Let it alone, sir, for this year too. And I'll dig around it, and I'll put fertilizer in it, and if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if it doesn't, cut it down. Oh, Holy Spirit, you'd add to this. The Lord's so patient with us. He's so patient. He's actually been talking to you about the same issue for years. He's been talking to you about the truth hasn't changed. He's been consistent the whole time. He talks to our about all sorts of stuff. The consequences haven't come upon us. Thank God for his mercy. And Jesus is pointing this truth out. He says, hey, listen, it is not bearing fruit according to what I've put into it, right? This is what the Lord's looking for from your, from your life. He's looking for fruit, right? Foliage is nice, but he's looking for fruit. And so he comes to us and he goes, hey, is there fruit? There's no fruit. Okay, I think we need to just deal with this thing. Right? That's the quickening of judgment. It's the end of a process, not the beginning of one. And the, vi- the vineyard keeper says to him, hey, let it alone for, give me one more year. Let me minister to it for another year and see if it comes to its own conclusion and bears fruit. This kind of situation is where the Holy Spirit has helped you to come into revelation and you can see it but it's not taking place in your own life. You recognize it in others, but you don't see it in you. Jesus said about the plank and the sliver. He said, oh, you see the sliver in your brother's eye, but you don't realize there's a plank in your own eye. The the play on words 
is that the plank or the board is the same material as the sliver. And so you come up to your brother and you go, oh man, you've got something wrong with you. Let me point out what's wrong with you, the sliver. And Jesus says, whoa, don't try to take, don't try to deal with other people's sin. Recognize this, the reason you see it is because it's in your own life. The reason you see the problem in someone else, you have revelation about their problem. The reason you have revelation is because that same problem is in you. Oh, but Pastor Jamie, that can't be true. Listen, if the Lord has spoken to you about that, you saw it and you repented and your life has changed, then you also would have revelation. And it's possible that if you've dealt with the plank in your own eye, then you would see clearly to be able to help your brother with the sliver in theirs. But if you haven't dealt with it, how do you know about that issue? Why do you have revelation about it? There are only two reasons. Number one, you have the same problem, but you're not recognizing it in yourself. That's why you see it, because it's in you. Listen, if you've ever talked with an addict, someone who's gone through treatment, has been delivered of alcoholism or drug abuse, okay? Can I tell you that when they meet another addict, they can smell them a mile away? Man, and I'm not talking a physical smell. I'm talking like, oh, you're an addict. How do they know that? Because they know it. Because they dealt with it. They know it. You can't hide it from someone who's dealt with it. But what if you're an addict and you are not admitting it to anyone and you haven't dealt with the problem yourself and then you're bumping into others and you're going, hey, they're an addict. Why do you see it? Because it's in you. When revelation comes to you about a problem, the reason that you have revelation is because the Holy Spirit is revealing it to you, friends. So how do you know if the Holy Spirit's dealing with something in your life? You're recognizing other people's sin. If you see other people's sin, it's because the Holy Spirit's trying to help you see your own. He's not trying to get you to, to, to teach other people. He's trying to get you to help you be delivered. As soon as you see it, you'll be free of it. But as long as you say, I don't need a physician, you're gonna stay sick. As soon as you see it, there's an upgrade available, and man, you're on a rocket ship, and God's gonna do great things with your life. But if you keep denying it, then you won't move forward. Why do you see sin in other people? Because it's in your life. It's an invitation from the Holy Spirit to deal with it yourself. Now I want you to take a moment, I want you to think about all the problems that the people around you have. <laughs> I want you to think about why you find your mother-in-law annoying. I want you to think about what's, well, well, that problem with your child. Are we really talking about them? I don't think so. Friends, become alert. Recognize the mirror of the Holy Spirit. He really is trying to help you. And as soon as you see it, you'll be done with it. But we have two options. This is what takes place, right? We either humble ourselves and we change. We repent, we change our mind. Or we dig in and we defend ourselves. No, it isn't. It's not me. It's them. Okay? 
in which case, Mark chapter 3, verse 1. Jesus entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man whose hand was withered. And they were watching him, they being the Pharisees. They were watching to see if he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might have reason to accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come up, go, come forward. And then he said to those who were accusing him, he said, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save a life or to kill it? But they kept silent. After looking around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of their heart, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. And the Pharisees went out immediately and began to conspire with the Herodians against how they might destroy him. Jesus brings the Pharisees face to face with their hypocrisy, and he gives them the opportunity to change their mind. Yet when they choose to confirm their own bias, it grieves Jesus. The Lord leads them to water, but at the end of the day, you have to choose to drink. How many times have you come face to face with the very thing the Holy Spirit is trying to help you get rid of right now? But instead, we use it as a place of personal passion. Now, hear me out. It's called... It's, it's, a, uh, it's an unlawful use of passion. It's when you become zealous to destroy the works of the devil, but your zeal is in contradiction with the conviction the Holy Spirit's trying to bring in your life. Let me give you an example. A person becomes passionate about ending human slavery human trafficking. And we're going to start a ministry to do away with this works of the devil, and they can rail against those who would do such evil. And at home, in the privacy of their own office, they're looking at pornography. This is misplaced passion, right? It is, it is confirmation bias. It is when God is dealing with something in your life, instead of allowing that to be dealt with, you use it as a catalyst to become passionate about defending or attacking something. It's a defensive mechanism. And all the Holy Spirit wants to do is get you to repent. Just change your mind about something. He's like, hey, I just want you to see this, because if you could just see it. Right? This is why mercy is so important, because when you rise up in judgment over something, you are condemning yourself. You are guilty of the thing you're judging. No, I'm not, Pastor Jamie. No, they're, they are. Did you see what they did? Yes, but the reason you see it is because you're doing it. Friends, how many times we got to go around this mountain? How many times you got to go around the mountain? If you could just recognize, just see it. Like, oh, I think the Lord's bringing a mirror into my life. I don't think he's calling me to preach. I think he's just trying to get me to repent. We become zealous for a ministry. No, it's not a ministry. He's just trying to get you to, you know, fix your marriage. 
oh, but I'm called to, no, you're not. I mean, you might eventually, but let's go ahead and deal with the cracks in your foundation. It's unlawful passion. It's, it's where you become zealous and passionate to attack something, and you're using, it's a catalyst of defense of yourself, okay? I, I really believe that the Lord wants to do something so significant among us. I really do. The promises, the prophetic words are that, that we, as a people, would be in the midst of the harvest, stewarding something in this land that really does change the world. That's who you and I are. We're called to that. High calling. God wants to do amazing things in, in and through your life. There's an upgrade waiting for you. He has everything that you need for you to accomplish what he put on your life, your calling. Everything is available to you. Nothing is restraining it. The devil is not keeping you back from your calling. Evil is not keeping you back from your calling. The devil can't do anything against the will of God. He can't. There's nothing he has on you. It is, it is not, we, we as a nation right now, we're not being held back by certain sects of people. We're not being held back by, oh, this population does that and that population. No, no, the call of God on our nation is not being restrained by evil. None of it. It's being restrained by lies. But not the lies of the enemy, it's you and I believing the lies. There's nothing holding us back from engaging our calling right now. A circumstance doesn't change and then we can accomplish the call of God. No, no, no. All of it's available to us right now, but as long as we cling to and defend and have to attack those who try to deny our truth, we will stand in our own way from becoming who God made us to be. The fullness is all at hand. What it requires is to change one's mind, to repent and believe. The work of a believer is to believe. It's hard. It's not easy. The work of the believer is to trust. Trust that the Holy Spirit is actually telling you the truth. Trust that the conviction that you're feeling, trust that when he brings you around the mountain and around the mountain and around the mountain, hear me out, you're not moving on until you deal with the mountain. Oh, but Pastor Jamie, no. Ask the Israelites how many times they went around that mountain. It took them 40 years. You want to do that? Let's not do that. Let's learn the lesson. Let's agree with the Lord right now and move forward. So many other things. Listen, it's Reformation Day. I already went over, over time, but it was those worship people. They're the ones that messed it all up. <laughs> God's doing amazing things among us. He's doing amazing things in your life. And there's more for you. There's more for you. Would you, would you do me a favor right now and would you just, just open your hands before the Lord like we're going to receive a present, but this, just take a moment. Listen, what do you got to lose? I already like kicked you in the face today. Come on. You got this. Okay, the invitation is very simple. It's, it's to the Holy Spirit. It's to our Father. He loves us so much. He has good things for us. If you ask the Father for an egg, he's not going to give you a scorpion. Right? If you ask for a fish, he's not going to give you a serpent. Okay? If we ask the Father for help in this, to help us to see, he's not going to deceive you. Okay? The devil cannot restrain what God has for you. 
but you believing lies can. That's why we got to deal with this thing. So Father in heaven, we come before you right now as a people, right now, before your throne of grace, Jesus, you love us so much. You're so for us. And Lord Jesus, you have so many things that you're trying to tell us and, and, and you want to impart to us. And, and the, that, that journey is in front of us and it's through your Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, you've promised, you are here to lead us into truth. And you've been leading us into it time after time, over and over and over. But sometimes, Lord, we're thick-headed and sometimes we don't see it. And we really are asking this morning for grace. Help us to see those things you're asking us to change our mind about. Help us to see, Lord. We don't want to harden our hearts and cling to a lie. We certainly don't want to end up fighting against truth. Lord, we're asking for grace today. You give grace to the humble. And so we're humbling ourselves and we're just starting from the idea. Lord, we know that we're not seeing things correctly all the time. And Holy Spirit, we're inviting you. Would you please remind us would you please show us? Please give us grace, Lord, to look into the mirror and see the glory that we could be transformed. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would enable each person to, <laughs> to be real before you, authentic. No more hiding. No more hiding. Lord, we really want to know you. This people, we want to we wanna be in your presence as a people, God, and accomplish who you've made us to be. And I don't want to play church, God. I want to be the church. <sighs> Holy Spirit, would you come right now and breathe on each one. By the blood of Jesus and his name, I declare mercy over each one of you. I know you've messed up. So have I. Thank God for Jesus' mercy. Thank goodness for the cross and the resurrection and the forgiveness of the Lord. I declare the mercy of God over you today. I do not retain your sins. Be forgiven. Be released. There's no condemnation for those in Christ. Just a fresh journey and opportunity to see that we could be transformed. So Holy Spirit, we invite you today. Would you release revelation of Jesus to us. Give us revelation of Jesus. Give us wisdom of Jesus. We could see correctly, be transformed into his likeness, and behave correctly so that the world around us would also see Jesus. God, I thank you for this. I bless your people today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, church, there are so many good things ahead for you. Oh, there's so many. Come on, would you just repeat after me right now? Man, I'm due for an upgrade. You are. I can see, your name is top of that list. You know the list. Right outside of purgatory, they got the list of 10 people that are going to be upgraded. First class right there. Your name's at the top of it. Okay, you're going to be upgraded. Lord, I thank you. You have assigned blessing. You have assigned the upgrade for each one. Holy Spirit, enable us to let go of the stuff that holds us behind. Thank you for this. I pray these things this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody who dared agree with that said, come on, can we give a good clap to him today?